0: Good morning and happy Tuesday, everybody. This is Dana Olivo with Market Atomy, and we're back once more with another episode of Charged Up Studio with Brandon Falcon with Falconics. We are ending our series today on creating a social media digital footprint, and we're going to be talking about content creation. We've been working uh, for the last four podcast episodes. We've been talking about the actual platforms. Now, today, we're going to talk about content creation and what attracts people to come in and, and click. On what it is that you're trying to sell. Brandon, welcome once again. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So, um, as a graphic designer myself, you know, I tend to try and do my own graphics, my own content creation, you know, even writing and things like that. And I still don't feel very comfortable with what I do. So, can you kind of give us some basic guidelines, first of all, on what we should be considering when we're creating content for the social for social media
1: yeah definitely so i would say first off is it is important to identify where we need this content to go what platforms because platforms even so simple as facebook the instagram the sizing can be different Um, the 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 types of content that's preferred by the platforms are slightly different and we're we're talking this platform is really the same facebook and instagram are the same platforms then we go on to Twitters, LinkedIn's, Pinterest of the world, so on and so forth, even TikToks of the world. Moving further down the line, the content sizes, needs, so on and so forth, adjust. So I first like to tell people is to identify what platform are we trying to champion? Uh, and then secondly, what is our end goal from it? Uh, are we trying to get someone just to view something? Or are we trying to get them to actually engage with our piece of content? Um, or are we just putting content out there to have content out there is more so what I consider filler content. It's on our main piece of content today, but we just want to kind of keep them uh, uh, interested in who we are and that we're here. So once we've identified those things, uh, you're absolutely right. It, it kind of moves into uh, comfortability and in, in the content itself. Do I Am I going to make a graphic-based piece of content where I, I design with a tool like Canva or Photoshop or Illustrator where I digitally create it? Or am I going to, need to use a lifestyle image, which is like actual people in it or... Um, of animals, pets, so on and so forth, product. Are we going to use those types of things? Most of the platforms prefer the lifestyle type images, which is natural, original content, not computer generated. Um, that's usually where people tell people to start, have the photo, and then tell the story behind it in the content. So it's so important to A, have the graphic, but also have the, the written ca- captions to go alongside it, coming together and telling a story. Um, combined, doing just that little bit there, having that awareness will make such a big difference in, in content creation.
0: Oh, thank you. Yes. No, I know that in our conversations that we've had in the past, you've talked about a certain ratio between how much, uh, image and, and words within the, yeah. the, the graphic. Talk a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so with that, there's two sides of it. There's, there's, text overlay or text on top of the graphic itself. Um, that's usually we see a lot of times the motivational quotes or placing a logo on an image um, or, or maybe it's just the actual bio, like an infograph on the graphic. So that's one side. And the other side of it is in the actual description below, the actual uh, written copy section. Um, pretty much all of the platforms can read the written bio section. They have the technology to read for keywords or which are like the main terms you're utilizing to... to pop up for your brand, have you help your brand pop up in front of the right people. Um, so that's recognized by all the platforms. Overlay or text on top of the image can be read by some of the major platforms like your Facebooks and your Instagrams of the world. They can usually easily read that. But what happens is because they can read the text overlays, they actually penalize a lot of times for the text overlays, typically at the 20 percentile. So if it, it over, if the text overlay exceeds 20% of the image that they're going to actually drop your rankings a little bit or your exposure on your piece of content because they consider it uh, distracting. Uh, that it takes from the message and the goal and such. Uh, and like I said, on the flip side, not all platforms can read that. So platforms like Pinterest and even TikTok don't penalize for that type of thing. And it's actually a benefit on their platforms because it doesn't even take into account what is in the actual image. It just says, does the text description match with the engagement of the graphic? Meaning that do people look at it often? So you kind of, again, have to understand what platform is which and how does it serve you? But yes, usually it's about 20 percentile.
0: Okay. And you talk about them being able to, you know, I'm, I'm imagining we're talking about bots or whatever. They can, yeah. they can read the overlay text. Now, does that include text that is put into the image before it's even uploaded? Or is this, you know,
1: uh, a separate layer that's put yeah. over it? Good question. Uh, so yes, it's even from the, the starting point. Uh, if the image is known to have text or any type of uh, inserted graphic on top of another image, so if it sees a layer of any sort, uh, that is considered uh, an overlay. And if it exceeds 20%, that's what becomes, it becomes problematic. So, for instance, if you have a, a logo with just a, just the logo, no font, no text, no so nothing, and it's an overlay and it exceeds 20%, that still counts as text. Um, more so what they really are saying, is there a 20% overlay?
0: Okay. Okay. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, cause most of the time what I do is if there's text on the image, I will create it in say Photoshop or InDesign or something then save it as a JPEG. But you're saying they can still yes. check and they yep, can still, still talk, being- it even though I'm saving it and flattening it and all that other good stuff.
1: Yep. Uh, mainly because especially if it's a, uh, an image, that's a lifestyle image with a, with a human and stuff like that, um, the system, their systems or their bots can very easily read that there is something abstract on top of the, the, the image that should not be there. Okay. Um, and that it, you're trying to distract for one reason or another, which they feel distracts from the message or the, the, the actual image. So short, small, sweet in the corner is usually always ideal for you to do a logo text overlays. Um, it doesn't prefer typically at all. Now, there are exceptions, like I said, certain platforms, as well as if we're, running certain types of ads, you can get around it, but for the organic uh, original content, it does not prefer it.
0: Okay, okay. Like motivational and things like that, usually you have words over an image. Yes,
1: absolutely. So you know. what I suggest for those types of things, and, and, and that's a, a common question, And even our organization does that regularly. Right. We utilize motivational content as filler content. Um, so knowing, exactly. yeah, yeah. Knowing yeah. that it is not my primary message, that it's okay that I know I'm going to get a ping for, um, a, like, a, like a negative check Mark for the overlay, but it's okay. I'm going to be fusing that for days that I don't have a, a, a strong message to push. Um, right. so usually what we do Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays is strong message. Other days are filler content. That's just valuable, but not necessarily to me at the moment.
0: Okay. Now part of what I do is, um, i guess you would call it filler okay like i have a um this day in history every week that i put out all right and it'll have an image in it you know but underneath you know the type underneath talks about okay what is this day in history you know so i'll do that and then there's um there's another one that i put out on a regular basis well it depends on whether it's a uh focused month like i did the whole month of march women in important yeah. women you know yeah. and so i did every week i did something like that but now talk to me a little bit about um i know you've t- you've said something to me about like pinterest and things like that about repeating content yeah Yeah. Okay? Richard, Richard. yeah. talk about that yeah
1: definitely so, uh, in that, we're, so repeating content, which is uh, either evergreen or redripped content, um, is obviously content that we reschedule and reutilize. Um, I have a, usually a, a, a pretty simple rule of thumb. Um, I say take all the content you've created in the last at least 90 days, but if you have content going back to a year plus, look at all of the above. Um, what I do is I always consider redripping the top 20% of my content. And that's pretty much for any platform. If we know that piece of content did better, we first need to learn from it and understand why did it do well? What did we do so successful? Because a lot of times it's just a learning curve and understanding. Um, I first understand. And if it is something that is relevant that I can reutilize, we will redrip it in the future, usually about every 90 days because it does get repetitive if I do it any sooner. Um, right. so we will redrip that content out and, and, and reschedule it. Now, some platforms like Facebook and Instagram and such, ninety days is usually the shortest period that it's okay with you doing that. Um, other platforms like Pinterest, you can do it a lot more frequently. Uh, and only thing they ask is that you 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 put it in either different boards, which is like different categories, uh, or you change the the body text up a little bit or, or something. You need to make a small alteration. Um, sure. Platforms like yeah.
0: So um, if I use the same. Ad per se, uh-huh. okay, in Pinterest, but put it on three different boards, the same yeah. exact ad, I'm
1: still okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. No okay. That type of thing. Whereas Facebook and Instagrams of in the world, it's, it becomes very obvious that you redripped it because it comes right. in a chronological stream. Uh, right. And that's why I usually recommend 90 days out. So if you're posting, even at the, the bare minimum, you have 36 pieces of content in between, minimum usually, uh, 36 pieces of content in between when it gets dripped again. So I always redrip the top 20% and then I delete the bottom 20% um, pretty much regularly, uh, making sure we always, every month, we're getting better and better at defining our audience and getting the engagement up. We're, we're, we're catering to our audience.
0: Okay. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about video. Yep. Okay. Can you uh, kind of give the listeners some idea of, the types of videos, the length of videos, what attracts, you know, uh, audience members better, you know, that type deal.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So video content obviously is going to be, uh, I love audio video content as a whole. Uh, I usually tell people it's the king of content. Um, It should be utilized pretty much on any and every platform. All of them love it. All of them will usually give you a little bit higher rank for using video over photo. Um, And no matter really which platform you're on. There is no definite rule of like this video is better than this type of video. Whereas photo, they do scrutinize like that mm-hmm. um, video. They usually don't as much. Now, two things I do notice is at least lately shorter content or shorter video is usually preferred. And when I say that I'm talking anywhere between 15 seconds and maybe five minutes max. Once we start to pass that, that, that five minute Mark, we start to lose the audiences. It's not really a defined message. It's a, it's a, um, it's a more all, all, I don't want to say all over message, but it's a little bit more all over. Um, but there's instances like this here where we're in a podcast podcast environment where it is appropriate to spend a longer period of time um, because they want to hear an entire message or an entire story. Um, but platforms like your Facebooks, your Instagrams, your TikToks of the world, that is where you take content like this afterward in a production studio and you chop it into sixty second or under pieces of content, and which lead to a podcast and allow them to watch it in full um,
0: okay okay but yeah,
1: across the board video is awesome
0: <laughs> yeah and I enjoy video it's just more time consuming to put it together uh, I mean we're talking about putting these videos out here I'm letting yeah. Tyler take care of it <laughs>
1: yes exactly there's a there's a, a lot more work that needs to go into video production and, and making right. it nice and stuff like that um, but it definitely uh, brings a I'll say a lot longer value it seems to be that the video content lasts longer
0: And, and really the more unprofessional it is, the better because people react better to that natural environment rather than a professionally done.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Video. I, I would even say it was less professional, but I, that's that's that's. It's, uh, it's not necessarily
0: yeah. less professional. Yeah. But I mean, I'm it, in my workout clothes today. Exactly,
1: <laughs> both of us, exactly. Uh, I think what we go after, what I like to call, it is is a, a, original and real. Exactly. Um, the fact is that we are a real, approachable people. That's not all doctored up and, and uh, you're absolutely right, like fake looking. Exactly. Um, it, it makes it so that they're like, wow, these people are real. They're serious. It's it's valuable to me and that's really what people want nowadays is they want someone that's approachable.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. You know, when I first started out in videos, I was thinking I had to, you know, it's that perfectionist yep. self in me, you know, coming out and feeling as had to be exactly the way I wanted it and had to always look good and everything. But yep. I've gotten over that. <laughs> yep.
1: I think we all started with that. Um, we all yeah. started with that. it has to be perfect yeah. and this and that and reality people understand that we're all we're all real and we're not it's not reality tv that, right. that we're, the life isn't perfect and showing right. those, those flaws make us more uh trustworthy
0: and more credible yes yep, exactly exactly let's see there was a question i had and i can't remember what it was now what do, when we start talking about organic and um, working through facebook such yep. as what we're doing talk yeah. a little bit about what we what you mean by that yeah.
1: So, uh, what you're referencing, I, I believe is deep linking. Um, yes. So that's, I would say a little bit of a newer thing. Um, so most people are familiar with ads on these social platforms. You can run ads on videos where it pops up a certain point and makes you watch it. We can run ads on, uh, in, during images where they're scrolling and it looks original, but it's really an ad. Uh, and, and, and what we say is it interrupts your flow, but it's usually something that's somewhat targeted. So it, it does match what they typically like the end user likes. So mm-hmm. what we we do with our deep linking is um, all we're doing is we're, we're pushing it out from someone that has the highest chance of actually engaging. They have previous, maybe in the last 90 days, had searches, activities, so on and so forth, that match things that we think are relevant to say, for instance, our book um, that has those types of uh, interest in maybe small business growth, building their brand, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So first day it's identified those. Secondly, the deep link allows us to, or allows the customer to scroll, see it, Click on it, and versus it opening up in let's say Facebook itself, like opening up in its portal, um, so they can see it. It allows them to click it, and it open up original, or, um, open up um, natively inside of Amazon. So the actual Amazon application opens up. The reason this is important, and if we start to think about it, is um, when you open up on let's say Amazon or Etsy or one of those things, it actually hits the history of something you've looked at. And now Amazon, Etsy, eBay, all these platforms were depending on which one you use, has the option to send you notifications via email through pop-up notification. Are you still interested in this product? Here's a discount for the product. The product just got released. It's out of stock. Right. So on right. and so forth. You can't do that with traditional ads. Most companies run traditional ads. Deep linking allows us to take it to that whole next level and utilize all of these platforms um, built-in retargeting activities so that we can actually keep bringing them back to the, to the location we want them at. So not only is social media chasing them around and trying to bring them back, but the native applications themselves are doing it. Again, regular ads that we run for years, and most companies run for years through Facebook and such, cannot do that. They can only utilize social media to keep retargeting. Now we're taking advantage of all these different platforms' resources.
0: Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah, no, um, from my conversations uh this morning with Tyler, you know, when he was talking about that, um, we wouldn't be taking them to a landing page yep. for the book or whatever. They would actually be linking from Facebook or whatever yep. platform we're using straight into Amazon. Yeah, but we would still be collecting their information.
1: Oh yeah. So what happens is in the middle of that click, we collect something, uh some of their pretty much an indirect pixels where it's called or a Facebook pixel tracking. Mm-hmm. We're able to still collect their data through Facebook. That would allow us to continue to remarket on that platform. But we also give the, the platform we're going to or the destination platform being Amazon, really um, the ability to also track, which is again, something that is normally not possible without deep linking. Yeah. Um, it's a very sophisticated version of, of tracking um, and it allows us to have a, a significant more, grasp on, on, on our end users. Right. Um, exactly. They don't leave our network easily.
0: <laughs> That's how we as small business owners are going to be able to uh, manage to stay relevant within the virtual market is understanding these tricks. Yeah. You know um, the, the content creation and how to link that to exactly who it is we're trying to reach. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I'm glad you're doing it because it's just way too much for me to figure out. <laughs>
1: Yes, it's very much a a cat mouse game where it's certain platforms make it harder and such. And and again, every bit of this is designed to do exactly what it's doing. The goal is not to tell people or convince people to to do something that's not making sense. These people have shown interest or taken action previously in a time frame that's shown they are looking for help with these types of things. And we've identified that we have that type of solution. And so we want to get in front of them and make sure they truly get to see us. And, and as you know, as another as, as a business, we usually need six to 12 yep. touch points. Or, or, or We need to be in front of a few times before they actually truly see us. Right. And this allows them to truly see us and not leave our network until we've identified that they're truly not qualified. Right. At that certain criteria where you say they're no longer qualified, they fall off. We're not going to keep bugging them. But for the okay. most part, we know that it will, it will help.
0: Ah, well, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Another part that I think it's important that we cover is when we're talking about content on social media, you're limited in what you can put out there. And so you need to have some kind of follow-up that people can get more information if they need. Okay. Whether it's a link in there or as you said, deep linking or something to that effect. So if we are offering uh, a product or a service having a landing page that they can go and get more information if they want um, is is critical. So not only are we talking about the content on social media that we are attracting them with, but we need to convert them, right? Yeah. So that landing page needs to be able to take it to the next level. And their expectations, we need to understand what those expectations are if they're going to
1: click. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think utilizing our organic social to reinforce our message and like you're mentioning, utilizing some of our, our, our ad efforts and such to get them to those landing page. Usually collect a little of their data, which is things like email address and such so we can, we can keep them followed up with email messaging and so on and so forth. Sometimes they opt in for social or, I'm sorry, uh, or SMS follow-up. Some people prefer that. I'm one of those people. I'm going to look at an SMS before I'm going to look at an email. Um, yeah, but identifying you that. You do I that suck. with the book. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times it just, that's the case. It's it's right in front of you. It's, exactly. it's yeah, it's just a lot easier a lot of times because we're yeah. all antiquated with so many emails. I'm probably, I am probably I get probably 800 a day um, through all the different addresses. So it just right. really helps to have uh, that uh that direct communication with them with sms and such but again identifying what is best and ideal for your customers uh and then being able to go where they are
0: in the beginning we did on on the first segment of this series we did talk about even though we're talking about social media digit digital imprint right now we did expand upon that in the first episode into email uh funnels As well as SMS, you know, it's, it's a process. It's not just you put your stuff out there on social media and hope that they're going to grab it. You know, you've got to think about what is that funnel system that we're going to uh, basically saturate these viewers? Because like you said, 10, 12 different times, they need to see your brand before they're going to act on it. So, and not everybody's going to do it through social media. It may be through email. It may be through their mobile phone texting. It might be, you know, print, you know, uh, all of that. And that needs to be taken into consideration.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think that's something, something where you discuss re- regularly previously is um, we both have seen in the industry lots of professional specialists. Even ones we know, that are, that are awesome people, but they specialize usually in I do this or I do that. And it's usually a right. one-stop approach. But what we're talking about here is that we're thinking through an entire operation that that takes a customer through a journey that truly solves a problem for the right types of people. And we just need to make sure we're getting in front of them. So we do it wherever they're at. That's email, SMS, social media, Google rankings, or SEO. We're going everywhere to make sure that they have the opportunity to truly see us.
0: No, no, definitely. Well, Brandon, that's the end of another episode here and the last episode in our series. Yep. Um, again, this is Dana Olivo. We do have, Brandon and I do have our own co-authored book that's coming out called Social or Sociopathic. It is currently available for pre-sale on amazon.com, the Kindle. Um, it will drop on the 17th. So anybody who would like to get a discount on this book, uh, I highly recommend you go in there and sign up and, and order it, order it early. Uh, it's at 2 dollars right now in pre-sale. It's normally $9.99. So take advantage, go in there and order this book. Yep. Okay. Brandon, for the last time, what is the, how can they get a
1: hold of you if they need you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so all of our company branding is, is under Falconics. So you can find us on any social pla- uh, uh, platform under Falconics. So it's Falcon with an I-C-S at the end. Um, or you can look me up, Brandon Falcon, on any socials.
0: Very good. Very good. Again, this is Dana Olivo with Market Atomy. And you can reach me at Dana, D-A-N-N-A dot Olivo, O-L-I-V-O at Market Atomy, M-A-R-K-E-T, a-T-O-M-Y dot com. And you can always reach us at info at com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our
1: platform on Patreon.